0: Hello, wise woman. I'm your host, Wanga Hanyani, and welcome to the Woman Wellness Podcast, a natural health resource for the woman who wants to take control of her life, heal herself, and live her best life. We'll talk about health, hormones, sexuality, fertility, skin, diet, lifestyle, and everything else in between to help you thrive as a modern-day woman with ancient wisdom. So without further ado, let's get into it. Hello, beautiful woman, and welcome to episode 5. Today I will be talking about polycystic ovarian syndrome and fertility. So, how to improve your fertility when you have PCOS. The methods I'll be talking about here is specifically for PCOS. If you're not sure about some of the things that I'll refer to, go back to the first four episodes and you'll be able to understand some of the terms or some of the methods that I'll be talking about in this episode. So let's get into it. What is PCOS? PCOS is a metabolic hormonal condition, meaning that it affects your metabolism and it also affects your hormones. This is why they've been looking into renaming PCOS because the nature of the condition that it's not a strictly hormonal condition. Let me just put a little bit of disclaimer in here. I am recording at a slightly different time than usual, so you may hear more nature in the background, and I love it. It's always nice to listen to it. Um, I hope you won't find it too distracting. So what are the causes of PCOS? In PCOS, there is a lot of stress on the body and a lot of inflammation on the body. This is also similar for the other hormonal conditions, only that it's a little bit different in the way that inflammation expresses itself in PCOS. So, as I said, PCOS is a metabolic hormonal condition. The metabolic cause of PCOS is that there is insulin resistance. Basically, your body's inability to convert sugar to energy properly. And type 2 diabetes arises from insulin resistance. From a hormonal standpoint, the main cause for PCOS is hyperandrogenism or androgen dominance. And androgen dominance is a dominance of male hormones like testosterone that women with PCOS tend to develop or produce more than normal amounts of male hormones this is the part that really affects their fertility because an excess of male hormones suppresses ovulation. It also contributes to the type 2 diabetes. So what are the signs of PCOS? If you have high cholesterol, high blood pressure, diabetes, heart disease of any nature, then you are As a woman, especially of the childbearing age, then you are at risk of developing PCOS. If you are overweight or obese, particularly in your midsection, or if you tend to develop, whenever you gain weight, you tend to develop that weight around your midsection and you gain weight easily, then you're likely to be a candidate for PCOS or you may have PCOS. If you have abnormal hair growth, so your you know, chin hairs, um, upper lip hair uh, tends to be quite dark, more than just the little fuzz that everyone has. That is a sign for hyperandrogenism, that you do have more male hormones that are pro- making you produce that hair, that beard or that mustache. Also, if you have male pattern bolding. So if you notice that the way you're losing hair on your head kind of mimics the way men lose hair. That's also a sign for um PCOS and heart disease. Acne is a major, 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 major one. Especially if you're getting acne mid-cycle, that's a sign of those androgen surges, the, the testosterone surging in your body. So if you tend to get acne around that mid around mid-cycle, and you have a lot of acne on the chest and the back, that's also telling of what your hormone balance looks like in terms of female hormones and male hormones. And by the way, when I say female hormones and male hormones, all males and females have these hormones, only that, you know, testosterone is higher in men, that's why they say it's a male hormone, and estrogen is higher in women, that's why they say it's a female hormone. But we all have these hormones. What's important is the balance. Another marker is if you've been testing, if you've had hormone testing, your FSH, your follicle stimulating hormone, and your LH, luteinizing hormone, those hormones will be out. Um, they'll be out of balance. They won't be in their normal ratios. Your doctor, or whoever has had these tests done, would be able to explain to you that there is something going on with your FSH and LH. And then also, if you've had testing for your androgens, then that would also show if there is too much male hormone circulating in your body. When it comes to fertility, specifically, the sign of PCOS may be a lack of ovulation. This is very common in women who have PCOS that they do not ovulate. Um, Some women don't even get a period, which is amenorrhea. And this is also common in PCOS, where you can go a couple of months with no period and then go a couple of months with a period, very regular days. So you can have a 24 and then a 35 and then a 15-day cycle and then a 40-day cycle. So those are all signs of PCOS. Um, If you go for a scan, they might see some cysts on your ovaries. So that's also telling. Just note that sometimes you can have PCOS without actually having ovarian cysts because remember there's the metabolic side of it but ovarian cysts are quite telling there's quite a couple of tests that need to be done to actually diagnose PCOS and not just um, a woman just having ovarian cysts only, which I'll talk about in just a moment. Now, how does it affect fertility? What's the pathway that causes a woman with PCOS to have a lowered fertility rate? It starts with stress. It can be physical, digestive, emotional, or chemical stress. And this stress causes cortisol, which is the stress hormone, to increase in the body. I'm not talking about momentary stress where you just have a presentation that you need to get through that you're nervous for or an exam. I'm talking about continuous stress. So eating uh, a diet of refined foods and junk foods and foods that are inflammatory to your body or Chemical stresses, medications like long-term use of metformin or Clomid. Those medications can cause chemical stress on the body. So that stress now causes cortisol to ramp up in the body. And as cortisol increases, it desensitizes the insulin response. And your body stops responding to the insulin release in the body. As that happens... That causes androgens, which is the male hormones, to be released because androgens help to buffer the inflammatory actions of too much cortisol. And as they do that, that's what stops ovulation because testosterone directly affects ovulation. It suppresses ovulation. We only need a little bit of testosterone right before ovulation because that's what gets us in the mood. That's what gives us the libido, you know, to seek out our partner. When we're ready, we're like, oh, we're ready. We've got an egg going, got an egg cooking. Um, So that's the testosterone that gives us that libido just before ovulation. And that's all we need at that particular time. But because now there's the stress, there's the cortisol, there's the insulin resistance that's causing that overproduction of androgens, ovulation stops. And then that makes it hard to actually conceive because you can have all the sex you want, you can have the most regular period while having PCOS, but if you're not ovulating, you're not going to get pregnant. So, making sure that there is a balance of these hormones is critical in PCOS. The other concern with PCOS is that it can cause estrogen dominance. So, androgen dominance can cause. Estrogen dominance, and that's where there is too much estrogen circulating in the body. Unopposed estrogen. This happens by a pathway called aromatization. I won't get into the chemistry of it. (laughs) I would love to trust me, Um, but I won't get into the the chemical pathways and everything. But testosterone converts to estrogen. So the more testosterone you have in your body, you're likely to end up with also a lot of estrogen. And that's why women with PCOS can also end up having things like fibroids. And that also contributes to things like the acne, um, the irregular FSH, LH hormones, and other inflammatory conditions. And estrogen dominance is very inflammatory on the body. And then it's basically a loop because the inflammation causes stress, causes insulin, etc., etc. So it's a loop that happens. Once it starts, it's a loop. But that's no reason to get overwhelmed because it means that if you just change the one thing, you can start to get a positive loop out of this. That if you can manage the stress and the cortisol will come down, insulin sensitivity will increase, androgens will come down, and therefore the estrogen dominance will also come down. So don't get overwhelmed that it sounds like, oh, it's a vicious cycle that I can't get out of. You can totally get out of this. So the main tests that are recommended for PCOS are firstly starting with the adrenals, getting your adrenal function tested. So your cortisol, DHEA, which is androgen, and getting testosterone checked. Those are important. Of course, getting your FSH, LH tested, and then getting fasting blood sugar tested, your insulin, and thyroid function. And am thinking, where where does the thyroid come in? The thyroid, um, there's an article I wrote on the website, and it's about the OAT axis, O-A-T axis. This is a very important loop in women's health. In PCOS, this is very much affected. Women with PCOS tend to develop hypothyroidism, which is a low-functioning thyroid. So, and a low-functioning thyroid contributes to so many other conditions of its own, low birth weight, early miscarriages, recurrent miscarriages, um, also metabolic conditions. It contributes to heart disease, poor bone health. It contributes to depression and obesity. So thyroid function is important. This is one that you must insist that your doctor test if you have PCOS because treating your thyroid as well will improve your fertility and your PCOS symptoms. So those are the tests that I would recommend that you definitely ask your doctor to check for you. Now what are the risks of PCOS? One of the risks for women who have PCOS is ovarian hyperstimulation syndrome. Because of the nature of the condition already, that their problem is that um, the multiple cysts that are shown is that they produce the follicles, but only that the follicles don't release the eggs. And that is what a cyst is. Um, The follicle just kind of never had enough hormone to finish the process of releasing the egg uh, at ovulation. So they end up having multiple cysts because there's multiple unreleased eggs and multiple follicles that never released eggs. And so ovarian hyperstimulation syndrome, they're prone to that because of that unruptured follicles. Hypothyroidism, I've talked about that. That's a major risk in women with PCOS. Type 2 diabetes, high cholesterol, high blood pressure, heart disease, Alzheimer's disease, and endometrial cancer. These are risk factors for women with PCOS. PCOS is one of the probably one of the only hormone conditions that needs to be addressed over the course of a lifetime i'm not saying that you you you'll be dealing with it over the course of a lifetime but this is a condition that requires lifestyle changes because because women with pcs have shown to have a few genetic differences to women who tend to develop fibroids or any other condition and so if they continue with a less than favorable lifestyle, they could easily regress back to those PCOS symptoms. So it's important to make sure that you're not just dealing with a PCOS just to conceive and have a baby and forget about it. This is a condition that you want to make sure that you make the necessary lifestyle changes so that you're not prone to the diabetes and cholesterol and the hypothyroidism and, and Alzheimer's later on in life. Another risk is the estrogen dominance, which I talked about already. And then amenorrhea, which is no period at all, which causes a whole host of other problems if you are not having a period. Now, let's look at the PCOS diet. What are the do's and don'ts of the diet? Everything that I'm talking about here, don't do this aside from everything we've talked about in the first four episodes. Don'ts. Because there's a lot of inflammation in women who have PCOS, it's important to stay away from foods that cause a lot of inflammation in the body. So sugar. Sugar is an absolute no-no in women who have PCOS because that sugar causes inflammation, which will also affect your insulin response. If your insulin response is uh, deregulated, then that causes that hyperandrogenism. By eating sugar, you actually contribute to the production of more testosterone, which will suppress ovulation. So it enters you into that vicious loop that we were trying to get you out of. Carbohydrates, like, you know, the pastries, pies, bread, baked goods, etc. A low carbohydrate diet is very beneficial for women with PCOS. Do not omit carbohydrates altogether, but have a low-carbohydrate diet and focus on whole grains. Processed proteins, protein bars, protein shakes, etc. Those are processed proteins. Pea proteins, those are processed proteins. And those can throw off your body a little bit. And then let's look at the do's. Our focus is to balance your hormones and also make sure that your body responds to insulin in a very normal way. So the first thing that I would recommend is having a protein, fat, and fiber breakfast. This will help balance your blood sugars right out the gate from the time you wake up so your hormones are not running all over the place already. The protein keeps you full for longer. The fat helps balance your blood sugar which is what we really need when there's insulin resistance to balance those blood sugars. It means that you're not gonna come crashing down with no energy. That's what that fat does. And fiber will help the slow metabolism of sugar, which is actually a good thing. Um, we don't want sugar to just, you know, enter the body and be burnt immediately. We want it slow metabolism, which means it keeps it keeps you going for longer. The proteins that you choose must be low fat protein and also Look more towards beans and legumes, which has added benefits of fiber. The second thing is you want to focus on healing your gut. Remember, in our gut also lies the bacteria that metabolizes estrogen. And so we need that gut flora. We need to make sure that our gut bacteria is working optimally to prevent estrogen dominance or too much estrogen circulating in the body because it is not being metabolized. So probiotics, these are fermented foods like yogurt and sauerkraut, which is fermented cabbage, and kvass, which is fermented beetroot. These are all helpful to healing the gut and restoring hormone balance as well. And then low-carb whole grains, which we've talked about just now. So those are the three main things that I would focus on when looking at a PCOS diet. Of course, every woman with PCOS is a little bit different. So some women with PCOS are overweight. Some women with PCOS are underweight. And some women have a long period. Some women don't get a period. When it comes to a personalized meal plan or diet plan, this is where it's helpful to work with someone who has an understanding. And this is what I do. When we work one-on-one, I help you come up with the optimal meal plan for you, and where your health is regarding your PCOS condition. But all these pointers that I've given you, including everything in the past four episodes, will help you really have an idea of how to structure your meal plans, and how to eat to heal your body and reverse your PCOS symptoms. Now when we look at lifestyle, we have to start with the emotions. Like I mentioned earlier, PCOS and fibroids actually, have a very strong component of emotions or negative emotions. So it might be regret or fear or bitterness, or it might be um, past experience of trauma or abuse of some sort. These are triggers that need to be addressed when it comes to PCOS and when it comes to fibroids. The emotional aspect of it or the mental, psychological aspect of it must never be ignored. This is so important. So if you know that you've gone through trauma of some sort, if you know that you deal with anxiety or fear, it's best to address that. I cannot overstate this. It's really important that you address that. This is also why when I'm doing one-on-one work, I I do not ignore the emotions. It's not just about giving you the right foods and giving you the right herbs to take. It's about addressing the emotional aspect of it. What are the things that you're scared of? What are the things that trigger you? What are the things that make you sleepless? What are the things that put you in a state of anxiety or fear? Because addressing those things do an immense job on on your mental health And therefore, the way you look at your body and help to heal your body. As a man thinketh, so he is. And that's what your body does. Your body responds very strongly to how you feel and how you think. Think about it. When you have an interview or you have a presentation or you're about to speak to a whole lot of people, you get nervous, right? And how do you feel? You sweat. You get butterflies in your stomach. Um... You might get a little weak in the knees. That's your body responding to your emotions. That's your body responding to how you're thinking at that time. So it's always so important to address the emotional aspect. And I've talked about coping mechanisms in the past episodes. So you can refer to those as well. The next is mindful movement. Particularly, I'm talking about exercise. It's very important for women who have PCOS to exercise. The types of exercises that have shown to really benefit women with PCOS is interval training and weight training. What you want to build is muscle mass because the more muscle you have, the less fat you have. So the less estrogen you're holding on to and the more muscle mass you have, the more insulin sensitive you you become because insulin can now properly get into the cells and do the work that it needs to do. The second type or the third type of exercise is yoga. Yoga is very beneficial to women who have a condition that's very closely linked to stress. So yoga is a very good coping mechanism. It'll help you learn to trust your body more. It'll help you get in tune with your body. It'll help you understand your body and it'll help your body. As you do yoga, your mind learns to calm down. You learn how to breathe through stress and your body learns to respond in kind. So yoga is really, really good for stress management and just reconnecting with your body. Rest. We've talked about cortisol and we talked about melatonin, which is your sleep hormone. Because melatonin is a very strong antioxidant, we need to make sure that you're getting enough sleep to produce enough melatonin. Because if you remember in the last episode, I said melatonin really loves your reproductive system. That's why it's even in the follicles that are hosting the egg that will be ovulated. So melatonin is only developed is only produced when we sleep. And so sleep is very important for women who have PCOS because we want to reduce the inflammation throughout the body but we also want to make sure that there's sufficient melatonin in your follicles so that you can produce a viable healthy egg. And finally herbs. There's quite a few herbs that have been traditionally used for PCOS and this spans from Eastern medicine to Western medicine and even African medicine. Some of these are licorice root, peony root, uh, sole palmetto, which is really good if you have hirsutism, which is, you know, the abnormal hair growth, dong quai, pelvic circulation, eleuthero, which is in our harmony blend, and vitex, which is also in our harmony blend, and that helps body buffer stress, and vitex helps with the production of progesterone, which women with PCS tend to have low progesterone and also counter the effects of too much estrogen in the body. Then there's ashwagandha, which is also an adaptogen helping the body to manage the stress, particularly relieving mental stress. And that one is available now our Vitality Blend. I'll link all the articles that I've talked about and products down below in the show notes. And then tribulus. Tribulus, I've talked about it, also available in our online store. And this one really is about helping the ovulation phase. So helping the body develop healthy follicles right up until ovulation. This is why with tribulus, you get the best results when you're using it in the first half of your cycle. One thing that I, I think is, is more handy, especially when working, with an experienced herbal practitioner is that they can actually be able to time the herbs for you. So make a herb protocol for you in the first half of the cycle and make another one for you in the second half of the cycle because women with PCOS, those two phases are very different and they both need to be almost taken care of in in, in different ways. So if you would like a personalized herbal product, then book a consultation and we can take it from there. And finally, tracking your fertility. Women with PCOS probably will benefit the most from tracking their fertility. This is because they experience hormonal surges. This is because their periods can be highly irregular. Because as I said earlier, you might have a 21-day cycle, then have a 40-day cycle, then have a 32-day cycle. So if your cycle is varied, your ovulation day will also be varied. And also it's important to remember that you might have the signs of ovulation, but actually not ovulate. So tracking your fertility is important because you'll be able to know exactly when you're ovulating, and if indeed you did ovulate. Now there are four methods that I would recommend a woman with PCOS to use. Their basal body temperature, their cervical mucus, cervical position, and ovulation strips. From the second episode, I talked about the basic methods that you can do yourself at home And I I talked about there being exceptions. This is one of those exceptions where women with PCOS, you will benefit greatly from using ovulation strips that will tell you when you're ovulating. These are called LH strips, luteinizing hormone strips. Now, the reason why keeping a chart is important is because women with PCOS, they tend to experience uh, LH surges more than once in their cycle. Luteinizing hormone is what goes up when you're about to ovulate. And so women who have PCOS, this signal can be set off a couple of times throughout your menstrual cycle. So sometimes you might think that you're about to ovulate and it was just a false alarm. So it's important to keep a chart. Now, if it's a false alarm, it will go up and down, up and down, up and down. But if you're actually ovulating, it'll go up and stay consistent. For a couple of days and then you know that you have ovulated. But to be sure, it's best to use the ovulation strips. So every time you see that surge happen, start testing with ovulation strips. Secondly, start having sex with your partner. Because of the irregularities in ovulating and not ovulating and not knowing exactly when you release an egg, It's always important to have the gentleman wait for the lady, right? So make sure that whenever you have those surges to try and have sex as often as you can when you have those surges. Thirdly, track your cervical position. This is more important in PCOS than probably any other condition. Reason being is that your cervical mucus, which you should definitely track, it might change the texture a little bit due to that LH surging. Even if it's a false alarm, your cervical mucus might respond to that more sensitively than cervical position. So by tracking your cervical position, you'll know exactly which time of those LH surges is actually your ovulation one. This will help you time your sex very well, as opposed to just doing a chart because with a chart, you only know after a few days that oh I did ovulate and so using the LH strips and the cervical position will help you to know if you're ovulating at that particular time and not in hindsight. But cervical mucus is very important to track so track that as well. Tracking fertility with PCOS can be quite draining emotionally because you you may experience a lot of lh surges and you think oh this is it this is it and then it might not be it and at times you may actually ovulate and then and you didn't conceive and your period is irregular it's it's very emotionally taxing so it's really important for you to find those coping mechanisms and to be patient with yourself don't pressure yourself look at it as a time that you're learning to understand your body I know that you're wanting that positive sign on on the pregnancy test and you really want that baby. But try and not make that the sole focus because the more stress you have, remember the vicious cycle. We don't want you in that vicious cycle. So manage your emotions. Have fun with your partner. Talk with your partner. Write, walk, jog. Find things that will help you de-stress especially things that will help you connect with your body and start to trust your body and to love your body because this is very important in PCOS. And that's it. That's it for improving your fertility while dealing with PCOS. I hope you found this helpful. If you did, please rate and review the episode. Also, you can go back to the website and leave a review on the podcast page. We really appreciate that. In the next episode, I'll be talking about endometriosis and fertility. So until then, take care and stay safe. Thank you for tuning in today. If you'd like to know more about woman wellness, check out our website and all the resources available to you. Just a reminder that all information shared is for education purposes only and must not be substituted for medical attention. That being said, Remember that true health starts with what you eat, drink, and how you choose to live life every day. So choose wisely. Subscribe to the podcast and don't forget to rate, review, and share this episode. Until next week, be well.